May God use, use and overrule my words. <clears throat> May God's word only be spoken and God's word only be heard. Amen. Well, good morning, St. John's. I am glad to be here with you. This is terrific. What a wonderful day in your ministry, in Sarah's ministry. Just uh, proof that your church is alive and thriving, um, and you look beautiful to me. Um, you have bunches of people being confirmed. Uh, we have three baptisms. Everybody needs to settle in because these are the longest gospel reading uh, next to the reading the entire Passion. We, we are in that stage of the season where we read a lot of scripture. We always read scripture. We read at least four pieces of scripture every time we worship. People don't think Episcopalians like scripture, but we do. We, we love it and we trust it and we depend on it. Uh, and today you've just heard an extraordinary reading. Some of you might know about something called reunion groups. Those are after people attend that strange re spiritual retreat called Curcio, which is for adults. They choose to meet weekly with friends who also attend such a weekend. I've been in the same reunion group for 17 years. And we love telling each other about times when we feel particularly close to Jesus, times when we feel really connected. One friend in my group named Tina died earlier this month. She always surprised us with stories where it seemed like Jesus was nowhere around her. And she would call those moments close. My group met for dinner last week, and we even put an empty chair there to, so that we would think about Tina when we were meeting. We talked about a lot of things, especially her, and how she lifted our spirits. Well, many years ago, Christmas time, Tina's husband came home and announced that they were going to have a big party at their house. He wants to have a big party, and our windows need washing. Tina announced to him, I don't want to have a Christmas party. I'm busy, and I do not have time to wash the windows. And her husband said, well, just, just hire someone to help you. So that's what she does. But for days, she's really angry at her husband. And when the window washer comes, she does not want to be bothered by him or with any other party preparation. And so she stomps around the house, she mutters to herself, and she throws things. And she notices the window washer is standing right in the middle of the bushes that they planted last fall. Thinking for sure that he is trampling the landscaping, she races outside loaded for bear, ready to yell at this man. And she's about to give him a piece of her mind when he smiles at her and says, Feliz Navidad. <laughs> she hangs her head 
and tells us, I forgot it was Christmas time. Tina knew that Jesus was nearby, loving her and encouraging her to wake up and love her neighbor. So she called that a close moment. She cherished and encouraged us. She made us laugh. She reminded us that we are broken human, very human, and very deeply loved. Well, I thought of Tina when I read our gospel because she experienced Jesus in unexpected ways. One scholar teaches that even though Jesus fails to come when Lazarus is sick, Jesus' absence reveals who Jesus really is. The gospel writer claims Jesus loved Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. And then there's this funny little word, therefore he delays his departure two more days. He tells the disciples, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. It's a strange thing to tell him. The writer of John is trying to show us that when God seems absent to us, God's absence doesn't mean God doesn't love us. In fact, absence may actually express God's love. Though Jesus is far away, he knows what's happening to Lazarus. Jesus also knows the truth, the sign, that Lazarus' death and Lazarus' return to life will reveal. Even still, Jesus' delay, his delay causes great suffering. Lazarus' family and friends grieve and they weep and they're overwhelmed with sadness. And despite the happy ending, how could this absence be loving, I wonder? I do not know the answer. I know I'm supposed to, but I do not. What I find, though, most loving in the story are the tears that Jesus weeps. Martha must be angry. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus responds, your brother will rise. And Martha thinks Jesus is talking about something called the general resurrection. Hebrew scriptures prophesy that God raises everyone from the dead on the last day. And Jesus isn't talking about the general resurrection, though. He's talking about himself. He tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Martha is still hurt and still angry, I think, when she responds, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Martha's faith is not intellectual assent to theological propositions. Her faith is uniquely personal. She commits herself to Jesus. Whatever happens next, she will follow him and love him. And I want to have faith like Martha has. Then there's Mary. Lately, I really identify with Mary. Now and then, I find myself a little overwhelmed by sadness about death, and sometimes even swept away by tears. My friend Tina's death, our daughter Laura, who died two years ago, reminds me 
people I love will die and I will die. Today's gospel acknowledges truth about the death of a loved one. It really does. It's not just unacceptable and unwanted. It rips out our hearts. Jesus himself experiences that same woundedness, I think. He weeps. He weeps, and it shows me how much he loves. Two years ago, when our daughter died of breast cancer, she was just 42, and the most comforting sound we heard at her service was everyone who was weeping. Whenever I find myself in tears, it helps to remember that at the same time, all over the world, people are crying about death. In Mississippi, yesterday we heard about it. In Alabama, we, we lost someone. And the gospel shows us, without a doubt, that God weeps too. Sages encourage us to accept the reality of change, all manner of change, including death. Some claim that all we know and love is just an illusion anyway. So just let it go. Well, I'm in favor of letting go, surrendering everything to God. I trust God. So just let go. But a friend of mine likes to say, I'm not so much letting go as handing over. When I miss Laura or Tina and others I love but see no longer, I try to hand them over and my sorrow to God. I entrust them into my Savior's loving arms, believing that what Jesus does on the cross will bring us together again. I believe that. Even though the religious authorities are so alarmed by the raising of Lazarus, they decide to put both Jesus and Lazarus to death. This story foreshadows Easter. Seeing Mary's tears, Jesus asks, where have you laid him? And they roll away the stone, and Jesus calls, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus emerges from the tomb, but his hands and feet and face are still bound by burial cloths. And Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. A scholar tells us, on another day, another Mary, weeping at another tomb, will ask that same question, where have you laid him? And on that day, the burial cloth will be left behind in the tomb, and the face cloth will be rolled up in a place by itself, no longer needed for the one whom God has raised. On that day, the disciples will see a sign even greater than the raising of Lazarus. At the tomb of Lazarus, death will be denied for a time. But at the tomb of Jesus, death is overcome for good. Right on the edge of Holy Week, I need that reminder of Easter. I know some people don't like Holy Week. They avoid Passion Sunday, Monday, Thursday, and even Good Friday because those liturgies and those prayers seem gloomy and they seem sad. Our prayers on those solemn days recognize God's anguish and the priceless gift offered on our behalf, a gift that's worthy of tears. The gift of following Jesus 
is the life that we have been given and what each one being confirmed and baptized today is pledging to live. Nobody knows how to do any of that perfectly, so I don't know what they told you in your classes, but let's get that straight. Nobody knows how to live the Christian life perfectly. You see, Christians are in a constant state of repentance. I can't even keep up with how many times I repented just today. All of us have the ability to do that, and we are forgiven and invited back in, and that is life-giving. And each person today will confirm the gift of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that you get at baptism. With the water and the Spirit, you'll become new members of the church, but you'll also be connected to God in a new and wonderful way. And you can carry that around with you. You see, because even though we make a little sign of the cross on those who are baptized and you can't see it except for a few minutes while the oil is still there, that will never wash off. It'll always be there. It's like invisible ink, only better. And all of these folks are sharing their witness with us, which is a real gift and a reason for celebration. The great churchman Martin Luther used to say whenever he got really upset that he would just reach up and say, calm down, Martin, and make that little sign. Remember that you're baptized. <laughs> we, we, all of us, will also renew our baptismal promises, and we will agree to walk with each other as the body of Christ no matter what happens. When the good things happen, when the bad things happen, you walk as the body of Christ. And there is a power in that that is just hard to tap any other way. We found that out in COVID when we were separated. We could only follow Jesus if we had a power greater than ourselves following us. And we do in Jesus Christ. I am resurrection and life says, he says to Martha, not I will be someday, but I am right here, right now. For anyone willing to believe that it might be true, my church history professor many years ago told us, this is not a safe story, but it's a strong story, strong enough to save us from whatever holds us captive. He seeks only our healing and our salvation. He wants eternally and personally to unbind us and let us go. Please pray with me. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one, help us to unbind and let go all those who are dear to us. Help us release them and ourselves to you knowing you will love and care for us in this life and in the life to come, and you will do for us better things than we can desire or pray for. In the name of our Lord and life giver, Jesus Christ, amen. amen.